You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. This is Janet Willis, and today's topic is Why New Jerusalem is Shaped Like a Mountain. God graciously gave believers a stunning picture of our future home. The Apostle John said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. That's Revelation 21.2. A whole city will come down from the sky. Nothing in the visual experience of humans quite compares to this. John continues, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. That's Revelation 21.3. In the last two chapters of the Bible, John goes on and describes characteristics of this holy city, God's home. This podcast will focus on the overall shape of God's city. What does the Bible say about this? John says, The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as the width. And he, John's angelic guide, measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. That's Revelation 21.16. Many assume God's city is shaped like a cube. Because there's three dimensions, length, width, and height, and they're equal, they assume that it's like the Holy of Holies, which also has three equal dimensions, length, width, and height. Most people rely on the last two chapters of the book of Revelation for information about their future home. But actually, there's so much more. It's like puzzle pieces all over the Bible. When we look at the whole of Scripture, there's extensive support that the shape of God's city is more like a pyramid or a mountain. God's dwelling place is often called the holy mountain of God. Zechariah says, Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts will be called the holy mountain. That's 8 verse 3. Isaiah provides a remarkably specific picture. He says, Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established on the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. That's chapter 2, verse 2. It almost sounds like Isaiah is saying in the last days all the nations will travel to visit a place that's like a mountain on top of a mountain. However, the Hebrew word mountain can mean a plateau a hill, or what is traditionally considered a peaked mountain. As we compare all related scriptures, we'll see evidence that Isaiah is describing a peaked mountain-shaped structure that will be on top of a plateau. Ezekiel's vision of the future in chapter 40-48 to brings great clarity to this proposal. Ezekiel is taken into the land of Israel and shown a structure like a city, This first mention of the city reveals an intriguing clue concerning its overall appearance. Ezekiel says, In the visions of God, he brought me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain, and on it to the south 
there was a structure like a city. That's 40 verse 2. We learn from the context. The word mountain refers to a plateau which the prophet later calls the holy allotment. He's given a detailed tour of a temple in the center of this holy allotment. Then at the end of his book, he again talks about this structure on the south end of the plateau. His words are precise. A structure that looks like a city indicates it's a unified whole. The Spirit of God is helping him describe something unlike anything he has ever seen before. Later, in chapter 48, he calls that structure a city. The measurements he gives indicate the city's a separate entity from the temple. This structure is square at the base and has three gates on each side named for the twelve tribes of Israel. These details are identical to the city John describes, a square base and twelve gates named for the twelve tribes. Then Ezekiel concludes by giving us a critical piece of the puzzle. The name of the city from that day shall be, The Lord is there. That's Ezekiel 48.35. The phrase, from that day, means this city is permanent and, yes, even eternal. Not only that, but the Lord is there. In the New Testament, Jesus reinforces the concept of a structure like a city that was revealed to Ezekiel when Jesus says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. That's John 14.2. The Lord is quite specific. The Father's house is a single structure. The many dwelling places within it means it functions like a city. In biblical times, this concept would need precise words since it would have been difficult for those cultures to comprehend. Today, we've We've got no problem with this. Skyscrapers around the world dominate the landscape of our cities, including one that's over a half mile high. Many of these huge structures are like a self-contained city, with residences, offices, stores, huge auditoriums, and recreational spaces. In other words, this structure, the Father's house, is now in the heavens. This is the structure Paul calls the Jerusalem above. Ezekiel was given a look into the future when this structure built by God had already landed on earth. Now, what exactly is the shape of this structure that Ezekiel describes and Jesus refers to? The prophet Amos gives us a hint that God's home has a step pyramid shape. Amos says, The one who builds his upper chambers in the heavens, the Lord is his name. That's chapter 9, verse 6. The phrase upper chambers is most often translated as stairway or steps. This is a possible clue that the unified structure that Ezekiel saw was a step pyramid-shaped structure. If we look at where else this Hebrew word is used, we find an additional clue about the shape of this future Jerusalem. The word is translated as sense. In the titles for Psalms 120 to 134. Sometimes it's called a song of steps or a song of ascents. The Israelites sang these songs as they ascended the steps to the temple in earthly Jerusalem. Within this song of steps is a fascinating verse. The psalmist says, Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem that is built 
as a city that is compact together. That's 122, verse 2 and 3. The word translated compact can mean to couple, heap up, or join. This is similar to a modern skyscraper. Each level or story is laid upon another, coupled, and joined together, in effect, forming a vertical city. Thus, this passage could be giving another hint about future Jerusalem. It could be a configuration of dwelling places that are stacked or built one upon another in the shape of a step pyramid. This outward design of a step pyramid would be consistent with details of John's vision of New Jerusalem. John says, The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Revelation 21.14 The word foundations can be defined as something laid down, or the horizontal part of a structure. In other words, the foundations are perpendicular to the vertical height. Since these twelve foundations are not necessarily equal in size or height, a step pyramid design is feasible. I've done artwork in my books and YouTube videos where I present biblically-based possibilities of how the structure might look. Evidence throughout the Bible reinforces this concept of God's city as a pyramidal-shaped structure. Numerous Old Testament references depict God's dwelling place as a mountain. Let me read through a few of them. Psalm 3 says, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. That's verse 4. Psalm 15 says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? That's verse 1. Pointing to the future in Psalm 2, God says, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. That's verse 6. God says in the book of Isaiah, He who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and will possess my holy mountain. That's 57 verse 13. In Isaiah chapter 65, God says, I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and an heir of my mountains from Judah. Even my chosen one shall inherit it, and my servants will dwell there. That's verse 9. A fascinating passage compares Bashan, a mountain range in Israel noted for its height, to the future height of God's holy mountain. It's in Psalm 68. It says, A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan, a mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you look with envy, O mountain, with many peaks, at the mountain which God has desired for his abode? Surely the Lord will dwell there forever. That's 15 and 16. God's future dwelling place will be the highest point on earth and, figuratively speaking, make the mountains of Bashan envious. Psalm 48 reinforces this concept. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. The city of our God, his holy mountain, will someday be the joy of the whole earth. This picture of God's dwelling as a mountain was promised to the fledgling nation of Israel way back in the book of Exodus, Moses said, You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. 
the Lord shall reign forever and ever. That's Exodus 15, verse 17 and 18. Not long after Moses said these words, the people arrived at Sinai. The mountain they saw was a type of something yet future. Someday God will dwell in the mountain of his inheritance where he will reign forever and ever. God will live in the mountain-like structure, New Jerusalem, and rule and reign from that location. Note that Moses said, It's the place which you have made. The case for a pyramid-shaped New Jerusalem gets even stronger when we take a close look at what occurred at Sinai. God's presence was manifested by the cloud and fire at the top of the mount. Only a chosen few were allowed to go up into his presence. Most were not even allowed to touch the mountain. God also directed the overall layout near Mount Sinai. The tent dwellings of the Israelites were at the base of the mountain in the worship center, or tabernacle, was in the midst of those dwellings. The tents of the Levites, the priestly tribe, had the privilege of being the closest surrounding the tabernacle. The picture of Sinai pointed beyond this toward something that has not yet been fulfilled. If we look at Ezekiel's entire layout of the holy allotment, and if we're correct that the city at the south end is a mountain shape, the full configuration echoes the layout at Mount Sinai. In the latest issue of Biblical Prophecy magazine, put out by Eschatos Ministries, I have an article on this topic, and it has full-color illustrations comparing the layout at Sinai with the layout of the Holy Allotment. Now, when we add the details from John's vision of New Jerusalem, the harmony is amazing. When God's city lands on the earth, access to it will be restricted to immortals. John says, Nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. John even tells us that though the twelve gates are always opened, an angel guards each gate. That's Revelation 21, verse 12 and 25. And John tells us he saw no temple in the city. This concurs with Ezekiel's layout. A temple where mortals can worship during the millennium will be separate from the city, in the center of the holy allotment. Just like the priestly tribe of Levi set up their tents around the tabernacle, the mortal descendants of the Levitical priestly family of Zadok will live around the immediate perimeter of Ezekiel's temple. The rest of the descendants of the tribe of Levi will live in the adjacent portion to the north, these details are in Ezekiel chapter 48. Just like the manifestation of God's presence descended from Mount Sinai to the tabernacle, God's presence will descend to the temple on the holy allotment. Ezekiel gives some details of this future temple worship. Speaking of the gate of the inner court facing east, Ezekiel says, The people of the land shall also worship at the doorway of that gate before the Lord on the Sabbaths and on the new moons. That's 46 verse 3. The New Testament confirms this connection, making direct comparisons between Mount Sinai and New Jerusalem in Hebrews chapter 12. These passages discuss the similarities and differences in great detail, with the implication that New Jerusalem will have a mountain shape similar to Mount Sinai. Hebrews 12 says, 
For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I'm full of fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus. That's verse 18 to 24. Just like the people near Mount Sinai experienced the earth shaking, someday not just the earth but also heaven will be shaken. Hebrews 12 goes on to say, God's voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. The Old Testament quote within this New Testament verse comes from Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6. This refers to the topographical reconfiguration that God will bring just prior to the setting up of his kingdom. After catastrophic change of both the earth and the heavens, things which cannot be shaken will remain. In other words, the mountain of Sinai represented what is temporary. It was a type. That which cannot be shaken, that which is permanent, is God's holy mountain, New Jerusalem. One more fascinating prophecy also shows a striking similarity between Mount Sinai and New Jerusalem. Isaiah tells about an immense cloud canopy over the whole area of Mount Zion, and it will provide a special protection over God's mountain-shaped city. Isaiah chapter 4 says, Then the Lord will create over the whole area of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day, even smoke, and the brightness of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory will be a canopy. There will be a shelter to give shade from the heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. That's verse 5 and 6. This future canopy was prefigured by the cloud and fire that was over Mount Sinai indicating God's presence. Overall, comparing Scripture with Scripture is exciting. The harmony amazes me. But, oh, why am I amazed? It all has one author. Ultimately, as we move through this series on God's holy city, details about the size and timing will be examined carefully. But in my next podcast, I'll discuss other key issues that pertain to the shape of God's city. We'll see hints from the ancient past, and we'll look at both biblical and extra-biblical evidence that's readily visible all over the earth. And we'll look at an ancient name for God, El Shaddai. New evidence sheds light on its meaning, and it's not what you think. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 